0: Welcome to Dirty Money with Bevin. And Mike. A space to talk about financial topics for folks who don't fit into traditional financial spaces.
1: We believe money is a tool for everyone. Our mission is to provide a literal microphone and platform for queer, BIPOC, polyamorous, and sex-positive individuals.
0: No topic is off the table here. That being said, one tiny little housekeeping note. For those listening who may have others with sensitive ears, listener discretion is advised. Because we do not censor ourselves.
1: That's right. You've been warned, but enough from us. Let's get this episode started.
0: Hello, welcome back to the Dirty Money Podcast. I am Bevin, one of your hosts, and with me as always is Mike. Hi, Mike.
1: Hey, except when I'm sick. <laughs> but yes, I am here. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Bear. So sometimes I'm not here also. So with me right. as usual, most times is Mike. But today we're so excited to introduce Luna. Luna, will you please introduce yourself? Because I don't want to like, I don't know how many names you give to the world and things like this. <laughs> but who are you? What do you do? Tell us about yourself. I'm
2: Luna Sophia Miranda. Oh, all but cool. just Luna is fine. <laughs> I use she they pronouns. I'm a stripper, I'm an actress, I'm a producer, and I'm a budding teacher as well. And I am based in Brooklyn, New York.
0: That's what's so, up. That's so dope. And I'm I'm just so excited to meet you, to talk to you, to um, learn like. How, just all the things. So let's, let's start at the beginning. How did you get started and how long have you been a stripper?
2: So it's been not a, that's not how people speak English. So it's been an on and off kind of journey. In 2018, I was a freshman in college and my financial aid plan was taken away. I never found out why, but I started dancing to try and pay tuition and that was impossible. It was so hard. It was a disaster. I, was, I had just turned 19 and I really only lasted one semester. And then I left the club and I also left my school. Um, I had to move back in at home and live with my parents and go to a local college. And when I graduated in the middle of COVID, there were no jobs, no internships. Nobody would hire me, not even the deli on the street corner. And I was in some debt, not just educational, but medical, credit card. And also my unemployment was canceled and I had gotten used to pandemic unemployment insurance, which was nice and i started dancing again and i expected to only be there long enough to pay off my debt but i i kept staying one more shift, one more week, one more month and now it's it's my career now
0: that's i mean it's as much as i hate that it kind of feels like it was born out of this like moment of need. I do love that it feels like you found something that you're passionate about, that you enjoy. So that's cool, I like that part. Um, I am curious though, what, why was it such a disaster the first time you went at bed?
2: I think, that, I think that dancing while you're a full-time student is really difficult because you're up at night and then you're going to class during the day. That being said, it's a privilege to even be a full-time student in the first place. Many dancers want to dance so that they can go to college one day. For me, doing both at the same time was not possible and I had to take a step back. And it was also a disaster because I was 19 and I was dancing with a bunch of other 19-year-olds and nobody told us what we were going to experience in the club. Mm. There was more than one. Uh, it was me and a group of friends, and we went to more than one club at that time. They were they were seniors. I was a freshman, and they knew I was having money problems. And they were like, "You're crazy! Like, come work at the club with us." We were in a burlet. We were in a college burlesque troupe together. I was doing drag and burlesque on my college campus. And I really didn't want to have to drop out of that school because I felt like I had found such a special community and they sort of these older students kind of took me under their wing and brought me to the club. But they were also like 21 and 22 and pretty new to the industry as well. And nobody prepared us for that. And also I'd never seen that much money in my life. I did not know what to do with it. And so I ended up spending it on stupid shit. And I think that's also why I didn't last long because I didn't know how to protect my reserves.
0: Absolutely, yeah. I feel like that's a tale as old as time. Like, I was young. I had money in my hand. and I had no idea what to do with it. Like, <laughs> <laughs>
1: there's a saying I, I think this is more for guys but it's you know young dumb and full of cum yeah. right like we're just gonna <laughs> like just caution to the wind right like um <laughs>
2: <laughs> i mean you know no, that
1: that's what comes to mind like, right yeah
2: young, like dumb and full of cum that resonates yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah
0: yeah like what is what is youth for if not you know
1: well it and it's so funny too that you know from hearing that from your journey and your side, um, I've, uh, previously was in the military and I enlisted when I was much older, but I had a lot of Marines that were, you know, 17, 18 years old coming in and this is their first full-time paycheck. And like, they also didn't know what to do with that money. Right. Like they're just like, you know, I got a paycheck. I'm going to so I think it kind of comes with the territory regardless of, you know, uh your career path that it's like if you don't have a plan, if you don't have a direction um or you don't have assistance to kind of be like, "Hey, this is going to start coming in. These are the things you need to think about." Right? You're just going to it's that freedom, right? Like that's just I think it's pretty it's a human kind of behavior. Right. So
0: Exactly. Exactly. Well, so I am curious though, you mentioned um, you were 19, all of the other girls that you were dancing with were like twenty, twenty one, And you said you, none of you really knew what to expect when it came to like the club atmosphere and some of the challenges that you were going to face. What was it that you weren't like, what did you encounter? What happened?
2: So the first club we went to, I won't name it because it's still there, but it was definitely a club for older, dan- older, more experienced dancers. They, all ha- they were all done up, like BBLs, boob jobs, like Botox, and I didn't sell any dances, and I thought that there was something wrong with me, but what I didn't realize is that the reason I wasn't selling dances was because people were selling blowjobs in the back And you know what? I respect that hustle. I have given extras before, but I just wish someone would have told me that that's what was going on, so that I wouldn't like blamed it on
0: myself. It's like they're saving their money for other services. It's not you, I promise. Yes.
2: (laughs) And again, one hundred percent down. But I was like, "Am I ugly? Am I stupid? Like, why am I not selling dances and?" We were there like 19, 20, 21, and all these older dancers were kind of looking at us like, like, (laughs) oh my God, like these little girls.
0: (laughs) How, How cute. Well,
1: they probably saw you, they probably saw you as competition too, right? You're, you're young, you, you know, they're chasing after probably features and things that you have that they maybe don't. Uh, But what's funny is the whole bringing up the, like, I don't know. I didn't know this was going on. I don't know why this popped in my head. But have either of you ever been to In-N-Out, the burger restaurant? Yes. Mm -hmm. So it's hyped up all the time. They're like, go In-N-Out. It's so great. I finally went, like, last two years ago or something. And I got it. And I was like, this was kind of meh. And then people are like, well, didn't you order off the secret menu? I'm like, (laughs) what? There's a secret menu? Like, 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 (laughs) I didn't know about animal style because no one said anything about it. I'm like, how am I supposed to know what I'm supposed to get or buy if no one tells me? (laughs) So They're like, I didn't know what I was supposed to offer because no one told me what... what."
0: There was a (laughs) secret menu the whole time. Nobody was talking about it.
1: Yeah. Right. Yeah. So... I feel you on
0: that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, in and out burger the strip club. It's like, same same, same. Yeah. Well, so that being said though, Mike you brought up an interesting point. Um, so there are these other women, older women, more seasoned and like they had a hustle going. Did you feel like they looked at you as competition or is is there like a camaraderie? Like what was your experience there?
2: So at this club, it was also a that my first night, it was a terrible night. It was pouring rain. There were not too many guys in the club. I honestly don't think any of these dancers viewed us as competition. They were all older, beautiful, and extremely experienced. And I think they probably figured, you know, these girls are just ended up in the wrong, you know, like they're finding their way, you know, they're probably gonna move on. And we did as a group go to another club that also had its challenges, but was a much better fit.
0: Okay. Okay. Well, so I think a lot of the people listening to this episode probably have probably been to a strip club, but have probably never worked at a strip club. And I think you know, there's kind of this mystery there, and we've all seen, I don't know, like showgirls or whatever. But like, I don't know what it's like, right? <laughs> right? You're like, I don't know. I don't know if that's an accurate portrayal. <laughs> so. Just can you give us kind of like a behind-the-scenes look? Like, what is it like to be a dancer?
2: So there are different kinds of clubs. It depends on the part of the country. It depends whether you're in the suburbs or in the city. But I would say in the... I turned off my notifications, but they still pop up. Okay, what was I saying? I'm going to redo that. There are different types of clubs, and it depends on what part of the country we're in. It depends on whether we're in rural city or urban environment. I have only danced in the New York City tri-state area, and there is an emphasis on what we call floor money. So at clubs, you have the stage, you have the floor, and you have VIP rooms. And floor money is where there's lap dances. Some people call them table dances. You might be selling, you might be doing bottle service, selling champagne or sitting with the customers and getting tips in exchange for hanging out and talking. VIP rooms, which sometimes it's just private dances. Sometimes the customers want to purchase additional services from you. And then there's stage money. And in New York City, you don't have to be a great pole dancer because most of the money is coming from floor and from room. I have heard that in other parts of the country, especially the Southeast and the West Coast, they there's a much bigger emphasis on pole dancing and on the performative aspect. You know, the poles are like 25 feet high In my experience in New York City, you don't need to be such a skilled dancer in order to be really successful at your job at being a stripper.
0: Interesting. Interesting. Well, so what what are the skills that you feel like the most successful stripper? So again, I don't want to like
2: downplay dancing and performing and entertaining because I do think that's a big part of it. But for me personally, especially since I have an injury, it's been sales it's been like using or actually harnessing my intuition, like using my intuition. (laughs) Oh my God. I don't know why I'm like losing my train of thoughts. I feel like you develop an intuition when you've been doing this a certain amount of time and sort of your sales strategy. I actually give a class on sales strategy, but I think that that is, I mean, in New York city, there's increasingly more lap dance parties and lap dance clubs where there's no poles and you're not allowed to quote unquote dress like a stripper but you're still selling lap dances and vip rooms and i feel like that really honing your sales technique that's a big i mean that's like a very it's going to increase your income by so much
1: Hmm. that is very interesting one one Thing that I am I'm kind of curious about if you don't mind me kind of digging into this for the we're going to call them a la carte services do you is there like protocol is there like how do you approach those with like consent and things like that what are your as you know I know you can't speak to you know other performers other workers but like For you, kind of like, if you partake in those VIP a la carte things, where what are your kind of like? What has your journey been with that in terms of?
2: That's a great how you approach
1: those situations.
2: For the past two years, I've been working at a club that does not have VIP rooms. So if I've been, you know, selling additional services to clients it's only been stuff that's okay to do out in the open and you know some some clients like to be slapped some clients like to be bitten some of them want to do stuff with your feet but for the more spicy stuff i actually have not had the opportunity to do that since 2018 because i've found my home at a place where they don't have private rooms I'm not an expert simply because at the time that I was doing this, I I told you I was so young, like I was selling VIP rooms and then customers would be like, Hey, like, can you do this? And I'll give you an extra hundred or an extra 200. And I didn't even know I could say no. I was just like, Oh, I'm like, I would, I would basically say yes. And just be happy that I was like getting money for it but that was very short lived and i feel like i never harnessed right. that hustle but it's definitely something i'm interested mm. in learning from other dancers because now that i i have an injury in my back i you know a hand job is so much like i can make the same amount of money in like 5 minutes <laughs> than i could make in like half an hour which is a half an hour of consecutive lap dances is like
1: on the floor. That right? can be very yeah.
2: painful if you have an injury. Fair. Like, yeah. yeah, I
1: can imagine. I um I I was curious because I have a a good friend that lives in Boston who I'm not sure if he still does this, but and I don't even know if the site still exists but Rent Boy. So like be like an online site where um escorts can put like their what they're okay with doing and people sign up for those like specific services. And it was just wild because we went to hang out one time and he's like, Hey, I have a client. So can you like, can we meet at this time? And I was like, sure. And I was like, client. I was like, you work in it. Um, <laughs> and then we went out to dinner and I was like, what did you mean, my client? He's like, Oh, well I'm on, I'm on rent boy. And this guy is like a huge fan of my, cause he also was in the, no longer in the porn industry, but was at one point. And so this guy who was visiting Boston for some sort of conference saw him on there and is like a huge fan of his and literally just wanted him to, and also in IT, so literally didn't actually do anything like with him, just wanted him in his hotel room speaking like nerd while he like, he pleasured himself. And- my friend got like $600 from that, that, that hour long, like easy. He was like, this is the easiest money I've ever made. And I didn't even have to touch anybody.
0: <laughs> like so, where are the rest of these specific clients? Like how do I target this <laughs> yeah, market?
1: <That's> right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, So I wanted to bring that in, in terms of if you did have sort of experience with that, I was wondering if there was any sort of like niches or things that you enjoyed doing Or were able to, because I'm assuming that first club that you were talking about, where the more experienced dancers were, they probably all kind of have their like, niche, like the clientele know, hey, if I want this, I'm going to go to, you know, whoever, or that sort of thing, once you become established. I was kind of curious on your journey with that, but... Also, that's nice not having to necessarily Honestly, do VIP rooms if you I don't have want to do them. I have nothing so.
2: <laughs> against VIP rooms or extra services. And I think that for dancers that look down on other dancers for offering different services, it's such a privilege, you know, to be able mm. to like kind of pick and choose what you do. And, you know, I support all hustles. What. I'm never bothered by what's going on. I'm bothered by how it's going on. And I'm bothered by how clubs are sort of pushing girls who might not be ready or who might not want to provide additional services. And also it's your right to pick and choose who your clients are. You know, maybe like I'm comfortable doing things with this guy Mm -hmm. because I've known him for two years, Mm -hmm. but that guy who gives me bad vibes, I don't want a floor host coming up to me and trying to sort of hustle me into a VIP room with someone that I don't know. And clubs have been known to fire dancers for not complying. And they also take Mm. enormous cuts and expect tips. And if I get it, like the club gets a price for the room, but if you're getting an extra 500 because you're offering an additional service, I don't think the club has a right to take any more money than they're already taking from you. That's what bothers me.
1: Mm.
0: Well, and so can you speak to that a little bit more? Because, again, I think most of the folks listening to this don't really understand how the club works and how they make their money. So, you know, are dancers employees? Are they contractors? You know, how does the tip out work? So, what please has your stop me with if I been?
2: say something that doesn't make sense. But in the United States, you can be classified as an employee or as an independent contractor. And I don't remember the exact language, but basically there is a checklist. And if you're providing a service that is sort of like endemic to the space where you're working, you're technically supposed to be an employee. So if you work at a restaurant and you're a chef, you're an employee. If you work at a strip club and you're a stripper, logic says you should be an employee. The plumber who, you know, will come, And this is not my example. I'm taking this. I heard it from another dancer, actually, I think on a podcast. But, you know, the plumber who will come fix the toilet at the strip club, a plumber is not like you wouldn't expect a plumber to be at a strip club. You would expect a stripper to be at a strip club. So many dancers have gone down that checklist and are like, hey, strippers are supposed to be employees. But at the vast majority of clubs, strippers are independent contractors. And that means that you're kind of freelance. That and hmm. That's not like the best word. I'm using it for lack of a better term. Mm-hmm. But the difference is that when you're an independent contractor, you make your own schedule and you're not making like an hourly wage at some, I guess, you know, some freelance people do make an hourly wage, not dancers. When you go to the club The only way you make money is if you go out and, like, hustle it for yourself. And clubs, I guess, like, maybe in the early, like, mid-90s, late-90s, I don't know when it was exactly, started charging dancers house fees, which is basically you are paying to work. And it's, like, annoying, but to a certain degree, I'm like, okay, like, I'm renting the space from them so that I can perform a service. It's like, you know, if someone who cuts hair rents a chair in a salon. Now what's crazy is, you know, for the salon to take 25% or 30% or 50% of your earnings. And so on top of house fees, a lot of times, uh, a percentage of your lap dances or of your room sales the club will take that. And then there's tip outs. And tip outs are actually, I believe that they're illegal actually, but dancers a lot of times are expected to tip the security guards and the bouncers, the DJs, the bartenders, the bottle girls, the floor hosts, the managers and the house mom. And if someone gets you into a room they're ex- with a client, they are expecting you, they're expecting a kickback, and it is when you do the math, it's insane. And all of that to say that independent contractors are supposed to pay 30% of their income in taxes. So, I hope all of that made sense, but that is in a nutshell, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, that's. That I was actually going to ask about how the tips worked, so I appreciate you kind of answering my question before I even got to ask it That's wild and um okay the I know that with i think I think this episode is gonna air before our our other episode, but um we are we've also talked with a a go-go dancer in New York City. And they talked about how typically there's um a base rate. So if there's an event or a club is like, "Hey, I want you to come dance, you know, this night." They talked about your base rate and then plus tips. The difference with that is I feel like with go-gos, they're not expected to tip out. They're not They're not being, they're actually getting a base rate to come and, and work the event. So regardless of what your tips are, because, you know, an event could be a total bust, right? Like it could be raining. It could be, you know, the weekend after New Year New Year's Eve, right? Like people dry January. Right. So like, it's, it's really interesting that the, I know that go-go's aren't necessarily providing the same services as strippers are, but they're still out there performing. But they're they're it's such an interesting like difference yeah. in structure. um And I'm almost wondering if there's something that in there that is potentially the patriarchy. But we'll we'll I don't know if this is the episode to talk about <laughs> that. Because I feel like go-go's tend to be men. And there are female go-go dancers. I have seen them. They're incredible. But I think that just the kind of the history is strippers are are women, go-go dancers are men. Why is there such a difference in pay structure? Yeah. So. hmm. Interesting. Huh.
0: Well, so with all of the, because to your point, it sounds like you pay for the privilege of being in the building. Hopefully, you make a certain amount of money, and then of that money, you have to kick back so much of it. So, have you found that it's still worth it financially for you to go through all of the physical, and you know, mental, and emotional, and you know, whatever challenge of this job with I'm all really of that financially? With
2: stuff the club that it. I found two years ago, I honestly feel like it found me. Mm. Because there's no house fee and there's no tip outs. What they do is they take a percentage Mm. of your sales, but the owner of the club has been very kind in letting me charge my own prices and still only taking a fixed amount. And it's, and it's written on the Mm. wall there's like an official rule board. These things should be written down. When they're not written down, that's where we get into trouble because if you're working at a club where, I work at a small club and it's like three managers and I know all of them. I see all of them all the time. There's big clubs where there's like 15 different floor managers and Steve wants a $100 tip, but Jake wants an $80 tip and this other person doesn't ask for tips at all and this stuff isn't written down anywhere. So I've been really lucky about, I've been really lucky with my club. I've done the math. I've done the math and the amount of money that they have made off of me is, it is absolutely ridiculous how much I've, how much money has like passed through my hands and gone to them but it's still worth it because when I look at how much has ended up in my pocket and how much I've gained from this, I'm like, okay, like I'm not going to find another job where I can make this money right now. And so I stay. Mm -hmm. Okay.
0: Mm -hmm. All right. Well, so switching it up just a little bit, I know that you are more than a dancer. You love dance, but you're also an actress and you're a teacher. So what, What else are you working on right now, bringing into your world, your career? What's so exciting these days?
2: Let me redo that. Last year, I was in a movie. We shot the movie, I had a supporting role, and it's coming out this year. I thought I was allowed to talk about it, but it has to remain a secret for now. But you guys will be the first to know. I'm super excited about it. And it was an opportunity that I got via sex work. And once, once, um, once I have freedom mm. to speak about that, you know, I, I will speak about it. And I also do burlesque. I've been producing my own show for two years and I would not have mm. been able to do burlesque without the money from the strip club. I'm taking a step back right now because burlesque is a hobby. It doesn't really make money. And I've sort of switched gears into teaching. I want to coach baby strippers and seasoned strippers on how to enter the industry safely and also refine their hustle and, you know, sales, sales, sales. (laughs) Make
0: that money. I love that so much. And I know, I think you've got a course that's called I'm going to get the name wrong, but I know it's something about like making the rent. Will you tell me about that? What is that? Okay.
2: Make the rent is a sales strategy course. I feel that I have so much to learn from other dancers. And I, you know, I want to expand because I've really been limited to New York and the tri-state area. But I feel that I have really refined my sales skills and my ability to sell dances and score really big tips. Mm. And even with the recession and the bad weather, I'm still able to provide for myself and and do really well in this industry. And I want to share my tips with other folks because I believe that there's enough for everybody to go around. And I make the most money when other people are also making a lot of money.
0: Mm. That's so beautiful. I love that. And so, okay, so we talked about acting burlesque and your teaching, which is so cool. And I'm so excited. And after this conversation, you and I are going to talk So I'm like, we need to work together. It sounds dope. I love that. Well, so what, like, what feedback have you been getting from the people who've been using your course so far? Uh, what, like, so challenges or folks starts having and stuff like
2: that? Next weekend. It's going to be my first, yeah. It's gonna be my first shoot. Okay. And the reason why I've decided to do these classes is because I've coached a lot of people for free, and I've had them come back and say, "Whoa, like I didn't think that was gonna work, but it worked." And I'm like, "Okay, like I want to keep these affordable, but I also, like I've been through a lot in order to gain this information (laughs) and experience, and it's also a way for me to start making money outside the industry." And I don't want to quit.
1: Absolutely, yeah. Well, but being adjacent, yeah, being and still being adjacent to the industry without having to necessarily put your physical body that is healing through through nights of the club. I don't want to
2: quit dancing. So I just realized that I thought I was going to be able to dance forever and use the money to fuel my dreams and my aspirations. And I realize that that's just not possible. The money I'm making at the club needs to be reinvested in my health and in my well-being. And honestly, I'm like, I'm a happy camper most of the time. I have frustrations, but people are always asking me, like, what are you going to do after you're a stripper? And I'm like, I'm not like, this is horrible. I want to get out. I have frustrations, but I'm really grateful. I'm really grateful to be a dancer.
1: Mm-hmm. I love that. So, so you said money to fuel your dreams and aspirations. What are those dreams and aspirations? Sorry, Bevan, I took your.
0: No, your I, I love
1: Yes,
2: burlesque shows. I also love to write, and I would love to write movies and be in them. That's what I went to school for. It's just so, being an artist is so hard and so expensive. I've accepted that it's not gonna be my full time. It's gonna be something I do, like on the quote unquote weekends, you know, with my friends. I also Mm. wanna travel. I wanna travel around the world, around the country. And I want a cat and a dog. And that's not cheap, apparently.
0: It's, no, it's not. No. $200 a month at least is what we used to tell people. Yep. Yeah. It's true. Would you, would you travel yeah, with so dance? Is that something that you're interested
2: I, in? I always wanted to do it, but I, I gave up on it because I hurt my back and I can't wear the big high heels anymore. I'm wearing like little kitten heels. And I thought like, oh, like most clubs wouldn't want me. But other people have brought to my attention that like, no, like you can wear the Cinderella slippers, you know, like pleasers has a line of like kitten heels (laughs) and I'm like, I feel like a world of possibility has been open to me and my partner, um, my boyfriend, I always say partner on the internet because I don't want my fans to know that I have a boyfriend because it makes a difference. If you say partner and they think you're in a queer relationship, they're like, she's available but if you say boyfriend your fans are might be less generous with you <laughs> but, oh no i
1: honestly well, do you, like do you want to be putting that on the internet We can... or
2: later <laughs> um and my the, you know the clients that are super close to me they know i have a boyfriend but what was i going to say my boyfriend is like really good like he's a carpenter, he's really good with outdoor stuff. He's like, let's get a van and like build it up and I'll drive you around the country. Cause I don't drive, cause I'm a New Yorker. He's like, yeah. He's like, I will drive you around the country and you can dance at all these different strip clubs and we can see the country and we'll adopt a dog and take it with us. And so that's kind of our like, that's our dream right now.
1: So the, 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 the Luna, the, the world, Luna tour. Uh, world Tour.
0: It, I
2: better do this soon because if Trump wins the next election, I don't know how safe I would feel driving through middle America on a strip club tour. Sad fact. Ooh,
0: that's very
1: scary. Um, well, that's why I said world tour. We're going to have to think bigger no, than the No, I, yeah, <laughs> I think yeah. there
2: are strip clubs in other countries... Um, and I've had people sign up for my class from other countries. Mm-hmm. But I I also know that the strip club is a very American oh. phenomenon. And a lot of tourists who come here, like, mm. don't okay. know how to behave. They're very confused. They think it's, you know, they... I'm I'm Latin American. My family's from Latin America. And we don't have strip clubs. We have brothels. And... You know, the discussions that Mm. we're having here about, like, patriarchy and violence are, you know, it's different in other countries. And so I want to go around the world and dance, but I also know that, like, you know, we're very privileged in the U.S. That Mm. a lot, you know, we have a long way to go, but, like, a lot of the discussions Mm -hmm. that are happening here are not happening
0: in other countries. In other places. That's so interesting. I never considered that, but I guess you're right. Like I haven't traveled so extensively, but also I've, I've been to enough other places and no, there, there aren't really strip clubs in any of the other countries that I've been to. And I never thought of it. I guess it really is kind of an American thing. That's so funny. Well, And and I'm in Atlanta. So it's definitely an Atlanta thing.
1: (laughs) More, more, American more American than the hot dogs. More American than the hot dog. It <laughs> Strip is clubs. absolutely. Well, we put that on merch. I mean, there's a lot
2: of stigma here. I'm sorry.
0: that's yours. Take it. You can have
2: it. I was going to say there's a <laughs> no, there's sorry, so much stigma <laughs> against strippers and sex workers in the US, but I think a certain degree of the general population can acknowledge that like stripping is a career for some people here and it's a legitimate choice like I said we have a long way to go but I mean I've been to countries where you know it's I was traveling alone and they were like so confused they were like your husband let you travel by yourself and they I'm okay I'm specifically talking about Italy and Italy is like you know it's a white country it's a first world country but they, they are behind several decades on like women's lib and many other things. And I've been there by myself. And, you know, I was warned by some older women, like, listen, like a lot of men are going to think you're a prostitute because you're traveling by yourself without a man. And effectively that is what men think about you in a lot of countries when you're traveling by yourself or that you're just a slut and that, you're sexually available and I don't use the word prostitute, but I'm using it now because that is the word that a lot of people still use sort of outside of the community. Mm
1: -hmm. Right.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's interesting because you've mentioned privilege a a few times and um, I know, you know, you're, so you're Latin American, you've had these other experiences in other countries and in the club, I would imagine that there's probably I don't know like hierarchy or something like. like I have have you had any experiences to work like that
2: at any club that I wanted to? Because I'm, I mean I'm I identify as Latina because that is how I was raised. But my dad is white. I am half white. I have white skin. I you know I have white privilege. I've been I have not been subject to the racist hiring practices of club. Management. I also feel like when you are white or fair skinned, you're everybody's type, versus if you're black or Asian or indigenous or even like outwardly queer, you're somebody's fetish. And I don't, you know, I'm not a like, I don't identify as BIPOC because I look white. So I can't speak for other people's experiences, but I have noticed that, you know, there are certain clients that like have a type and they always go for a certain type of dancer versus it seems like white dancers kind of have this like flexibility where they can float around among many different clients. I don't know, someone might listen to this and be like, she doesn't know what she's talking about. But from an outsider perspective, That is what I've seen. However, in the clubs, I've experienced so much like ethnic fetishism. It's so disgusting. I think people like my whole life, I felt like, oh, people probably don't know I'm Hispanic. They don't know I'm Latina. At the club, for some reason, they're able to like pin me down right away. And the things they say, I'm just like- I see it. Like you're an executive. I know you'd be fired from your job if you were Mm. like caught saying these things to me or to, to, you know, to someone else. Or also Mm. just like management, you know, if there's a client that only speaks Spanish management is like, can you go talk to him? And my answer is no, because if he only speaks Spanish, chances are, he doesn't have too much experiences with strip clubs and that's just always a bad time.
1: Yeah. Yeah you did you did bring something up about talking about here in the US where people the stigma is right and i think it's important to kind of understand that you know dancing stripping it's a art form it is a type of art right like you are doing things to your body. People are paying to watch you. It is an experience. It is it is something to be celebrated. And I think a lot of the stigma comes from, for us, our society just has this shame around sex and sex positivity. And I do think that And I don't know your experience of working in, if you've worked in any sort of like queer spaces in your journey. Um, But I feel that like, the further away you get from like cis heteronormative spaces, the more inclusive, regardless of who you are or what type of art you provide. And I just wish that that, would be a little bit more mainstream. But um, I do think that a lot of the the stigmas that are around dancers and strippers and sex workers is the shame that we collectively as a society, you know, and you even said it, you're like, this person's a CEO, this person's this. It's like these people living like double lives, like enjoying this thing, but then going and voting, you know, for whatever, you know, whoever right like we don't need to get down that path but like you know it's like though that why is there such that why does it need to be that way right what what is the cause of that and i firmly believe that a lot of it comes from the shame um and people not just embracing their sexual like their sexuality or their uh just sex positivity and feeling like i can't like I have to like keep it hidden, so I'm gonna we're gonna we're gonna hide it with like shame and 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 that sort of stuff. So
0: yeah, I Well, so we're we've been talking for a while, but I I want to make sure that we talk about one more thing, and it's the money of it all. So I I know that we did talk about like how and all this kind of stuff, but where was that? Let me think. a, little, a lot.
1: The, no, the money it's,
0: it's coming. <laughs> but with that said, you mentioned that for you, at least like you've done the math and you realized it's still worth it financially. And also when you were a baby stripper, you were like, I've got all this money. Wee! I'm going to spend it. And so <laughs> what have you learned over time around like how to make the finances of it work and you know like presumably you're not making the exact same amount of money every month things change there's seasons all this kind of stuff so like how does that work for you and for the people that you When
2: can? I decided to stick with this as a career I started tracking my income and the first year is hard because in the spring you're making a fuck ton of money and then come the summer you're like what the fuck like have I lost my charm like has this industry gone to shit But once you come back around year two, year three, you're like, okay, there's a pattern here and I can predict. And it gets to a point where it's so minute that Mm, I know if Mm. I've made $300 by midnight, the other 700 plus is going to come in before four o'clock in the morning. You'd sort of like develop this like... Uh, you you just it's something it's knowledge I, I don't even know what to call it but yes and i I've, I've been able intuition yes. yeah but i've been able to do that so, by yeah. tracking That's... my income on a spreadsheet very carefully and seeing the patterns and like predicting what time of year like what mm. certain dates are better or worse don't work election day <laughs> we already know that don't do it no one's going to come okay. to the club
1: so there's actually there there are also like tip tracking apps now too my my um my ex-husband is a bartender and uses a i forget what the name of the app is but it's a little bit more user-friendly than a spreadsheet spreadsheet if if our listeners are like uh spreadsheets scare me um there's an app for it Um, and hopefully we'll find that information and put that in the show notes.
0: Well, so with that said though, you mentioned, so are you an employee or a contractor? I'm a contractor
2: and I think there's a divide in the community, employee versus contractor. But, um, as someone said this in a book that I have and, and I'm not remembering what their name is, but I'm taking their quote, whether you're an employee or a contractor, whether or not you're oppressed or abused at work has to do with who your boss is. Employees get abused all the time. Contractors get abused all the time. I personally like being a contractor. It works for me, but I think that it it works for, how do I say this? Like contracting works for people who already had privilege to start with. I think employment status would benefit a lot of folks who are not coming from the same kind of privilege as many people who like, I don't know. Okay. Wait, can I re-say that? Mm. Contracting works for me, but I've also had many privileges and I think contracting works for folks who already had a leg up. I can see how employment status would be preferred for folks who have mm-hmm. been like systemically denied mm-hmm. housing, health care, employment opportunities. And, you know, mm-hmm. ultimately mm-hmm. I want, I think everyone has the right to like find a situation that works for them.
0: Mm, I like that. Well, so I'm just I'm, like, what are the privileges that you feel like you've had that make it easier I think for that, you to So I was
2: born and raised in New York and I've been able to live with my family. So I don't have to worry so much. Hmm. That has changed. My mom died, and I'm now responsible for a lot of things and people. And I feel a little bit like I'm swimming to keep my neck above the water. But before that happened, you know, my bills were lower. I didn't have to worry hmm. about being homeless or being evicted because I was living with my family. I don't have children. I don't have children. And I'm also, I'm college educated. And even though I couldn't find a job in my field, having a degree makes a big difference. I can go get a master's if I want to. Worst comes to worst. Like I can find some like shitty remote job, like grading papers, but it's still something I, and also I'm, while I have pain, I'm not chronically ill. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, and I think that for folks that like have like chronic pain or chronic illness, like the employment status would help because it would ensure healthcare. You know, I'm I'm not 26 yet, so I'm still on my dad's plan. That's Mm. also gonna change. And I, you know, I grew up as a kid, upper middle class, 2008 wrecked my family. We have never recovered. We are like in a sinkhole right now as a family. I have faith that we'll get out of it. But me personal, my, you know, my personal finances are okay. And I feel like having grown up, upper middle class, like I know how to make rich people think that I'm like one of them. You know what I'm saying? Like that's, that's a privilege. I feel like I went on a whole like... Tangent right now.
1: It's, it's,
0: no, honestly, no, that's like, great. I, yeah, it, I
1: appreciate it. it. You, you also give me, you give me a, one of my favorite shows on, like, on Netflix was Inventing Anna. I don't know if you ever uh, saw yeah, it. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: It's, it's giving that, that, they don't know. I'm just gonna, oh I'm God. gonna trick all of them and give have them give me all I their feel money. That
0: is yeah, very messy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know what though? So honestly, much. I feel like. Oh gosh, so messy. So, so fun to watch though, but so messy. (laughs) But I feel like that is such an interesting point that you brought up and something that a lot of people do not talk about as pertains to privilege is the idea that just being able to like speak the language or kind of like move in a certain way or, you know, speak to certain topics or even to be able to be like, oh, when I was in Italy, (laughs) you know, like that's, that gives you entree like that really can help along and so yeah I think that's important to bring up
1: I feel like even just mentioning that you were in college too or you I feel like you're in an age where you can still maybe get away with pretending to be in college for your work in terms of oh, like, yeah, like your clientele okay. the like, like
0: my class
2: like, oh, and you I don't know, yeah, to, I, just, I don't need to so, pretend <laughs> People people will do 80% of the work for you. They will project whatever they want to project onto you. Well,
1: and that's that's also an important thing to understand as a performer is like when it when to know to lean into what the person is projecting on you, right? Mm-hmm. And like, but also like, are you okay with it? Sure, like I'm gonna lean into this, or hey, no, this is I'm not. That's not something I'm okay with. Like you know, that's a really important thing. I think as it's an important skill. It really is being able to understand when that person that your your client is projecting a certain mood or scenario in their head like that's part of it i feel like as someone who has never done it <laughs> and has no knowledge i feel like that that's actually a really important thing i to, think
0: maybe we're in to understand. your past
2: i i definitely like i wouldn't be surprised
0: <laughs> that's fair i i feel like that tracks i feel like that tracks
1: why am i not in that life right now
0: well there's still time like there, still a time. Uh, there
1: is, there is. But yeah, I, is. I do
0: like that though. Cause I feel like it's about knowing your boundaries and knowing your audience. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's like, mm-hmm. what do they want? But also how far am I willing to go? So I love that. Well, so last thing, and we'll wrap this up. Um, but what, what is something that you would like to share with the audience and it, it can be literally anything, whether it's somebody who's listening and maybe wants to become a dancer wants to, move on from becoming a dancer or literally anything. It can be whatever you want. What do you want the people to know?
2: Well, first of all, I think the way that I present myself on social media is kind of like this pink glitter, money spoiled brat aesthetic. And I wouldn't be surprised if people think I'm like rolling in money and like living a luxurious life. But I want people to know that I live with my grandparents. I, I support my grandma. I help support my dad and my brother, in addition to myself. And I have a new injury that mm. has changed the amount of hours I can work in a week. And that I'm going through a period of a lot of anxiety and insecurity and sort of like the honeymoon of being a dancer is over. And I just want people to know that, that I am not like a perfect person that has all their shit figured out. Like I'm, you know, mm-hmm. I'm also still figuring my shit out. Um, and what I would say to prospective and current dancers is uh, don't be ashamed of being ashamed. I've chosen this as my career. I'm open about it. And mm-hmm. I still feel shame sometimes particularly when a customer crosses a line and something that helps me is to look around and know that i'm not alone that there are millions of other people in the world who are doing sex work in order to survive and to support themselves that i'm part of a timeless tribe of individuals who have like fucking grit and guts and that makes the shame go away Mm. That was beautiful.
0: I'm like I'm feeling feelings i I love this idea of a timeless tribe of badass human beings out here like making this happen <sighs> all right on that note
1: as 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 to miss misquote Liza Minnelli <laughs> sex work is work <laughs> she didn't say
0: that <laughs> somebody said um, it but we'll give it to Liza
1: <laughs> uh if anyone's Drag Race fans it's it's a quote from from Drag Race not the sex work is work but to misquote Liza, <laughs> Liza Minnelli for like
0: all of the things and
1: insert random quote yeah yeah perfect so
0: well so Luna last 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 question for real <sighs> for real where can people find you? How can they find your course? You can find me on Instagram
2: at Luna underscore Sophia underscore Miranda. My website is www.lunasofiamiranda.com. And those are pretty much my two platforms. And you can you can find me there. And all the information on my classes is there. You can DM me. You can email me. Luna at drxluna.com. I will, I'm like pretty good about answering because when I'm not working, I'm like still up until four o'clock in the morning because I'm nocturnal. I'm a vampire. <laughs> mm. <laughs> mm.
0: Well, perfect. So this has been amazing. Thank you so much for just being so open and candid and brave and just like positive champion for the people so dope and for everybody who's watching if you have any questions for luna if you want to bring her back or if you want to i don't know partner with her partner with us come on the show do whatever you want to do reach out find us on instagram and we will make the shit happen that's it
1: yeah that's it i'm i'm glad that you brought that up evan because we are already waitlisting people for season three which is wild. Uh, it's starting to happen. Um, yeah, it's a very big milestone this week. That's great. Um, yes, uh, Luna, thank you so much um, for sharing your journey, uh, being just completely um, open with us. I really, really appreciate your
2: Thank you your so much. This is my first podcast. Oh, my. It's been my dream to be on a podcast, but I never had the opportunity. And I appreciate you both so much, and the work you're doing is so amazing.
0: Well, thank you,
1: thank you. You are
0: amazing. This is your first podcast, many, and I cannot wait yeah. to work with you because, <laughs> yes, I think we're, I think we're. There's some, there's some cool stuff going on here. So, anyways, yeah. Thanks, everybody. We'll talk to you soon. Yeah. Bye.
1: Until next time. Bye. <laughs> If you've enjoyed today's episode, please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. That's the easiest way to support our show.
0: We hope you took away a new nugget of information or perspective today, and we're grateful you took the time to listen to us. Until next time, bye.
1: Bye.